Hey there, teacher friend. Welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson, and each week I bring on a teacher friend to talk about simple ways to engage our students, stay motivated, and keep up with best practices. I'm so glad you're here. Happy summer, y'all. We are officially on summer break, and I have been enjoying every moment of it. This week, my guest is Carrie Conover from Conover Innovative Consulting. Carrie has her own podcast, Educators to Educators. She reached out to me after I commented on one of her Instagram pictures, and within a matter of weeks, we had scheduled a block of time to chat with each other all about education. We first recorded for her podcast, and then we switched gears, and I got to interview her for the Simply Teach podcast. So in last week's episode, I mentioned how I'm trying to shorten each episode because I know 45 to 50 minutes can be quite a time commitment to listen to a podcast, but I've already failed. But y'all, it's because I just start talking with these teachers and we talk about so much good stuff. And then when it's time for me to edit, I don't want to leave any of it out. My hope and my prayer is that each time you listen, you would find one little nugget of encouragement, a new idea, or invalidation of what you're already doing. So I guess I'll try next time to keep the episode shorter. Karen and I talk all about her new course, The Teacher Summer Reboot, what ed tech jobs are, and how to handle relationships between teachers, students, parents, and administrators. New teachers, make sure that you listen. There's a lot of good info that took me a while to learn about how to deal with parents, and I want you to hear it now so that when you go into the school year, you can at least be prepared. So guys, here's my conversation with Carrie. Welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Thank you for having me. So we just got done recording a podcast, me interviewing on your podcast, and now we're switching the roles and I'm interviewing you on my podcast. It feels so weird already. I'm (laughs) not used to being the one who's being interviewed. Yeah. Now you get to be in the hot seat. See, it's kind of (laughs) scary. It is. It is. Maybe I'll be a nicer podcast host after this experience. After feeling what it's like to sit in the hot seat. (laughs) All right. So Carrie, I want you to start out and tell us about your teaching history because you're not currently a classroom teacher, but you have been. So will you give us some background information on that? Yeah, I would love to. So I started off my career. So I have a music degree for my undergrad, which a lot of people don't know, even close friends of mine. Um, And I worked for the Chicago Symphony Orchestra and I worked in their education division. And I was going out to all these schools in Chicago and the Chicago public schools. And I would leave the schools and I would be like, I think I kind of want to be a teacher. And it just kept creeping up and getting stronger and stronger. So I eventually went back and got my master's and became a teacher. So I taught third, fourth and fifth grade in the Chicago public schools at two different schools. Um, And during that time, I received one of the first one-to-one iPad carts in the country um, and was able to just be really innovative and one of the first people using that technology in the classroom and really fell in love with ed tech. So 10 years. That's, how So how many years ago was that that you had the first one-to-one iPad cart? I was cart? trying to figure that out the other day. Was it 2010 maybe? Because that is that doesn't seem that no. long ago at all no. for for that. I know, isn't that crazy? The iPad really has not been a, around that long, and the iPads. I always laugh too because um, we had the iPad One. It had no camera, and <laughs> <laughs> they just gave us these iPads. And so I was trying to figure out how to like log into an Apple like, like iTunes with my personal login on thirty two iPads, and I was trying not to get like you know, my explicit music to, I was like making, (laughs) trying to make sure nothing inappropriate was downloading. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine this is totally off topic, but like what it would be like if like they gave us like those first generation iPads or like if Facebook as it was when it started out, you know, 10 years ago, like if they were to give that to us, what it would like, how I I feel like it'd be so difficult to operate because of what we're so (laughs) used to. True. I mean, technology just moves so fast. So quick. So quick. Um, okay. So technology, you, you branched out of teaching and went into the ed tech world. Yes, I did. I made a big so, leap. 
Will you explain that to me? Because really, until I found you and just kind of started reading some of your emails and your website, like I didn't really have a good grasp of what that was. That leap that I made or ed tech? Well, ed tech. Yeah. yeah. And then tell us about the leap and why you did that. Well, I mean, I think all of us in the industry, we say ed tech to cover pretty much any kind of education company at this point. So like even your typical textbook publishers, such as like McGraw Hill, you know, we say, oh, that's ed tech because they have tech. Um, Okay. And so ed tech is really any type of either supplemental or core curriculum that a teacher might use to enhance their teaching in the classroom through an iPad or a computer or projector, um, any kind of digital content. Okay. So that's a good like blanket understanding. Yeah. Cause yeah, I think I, I always thought of it being some like job where you have to be like super smart and like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just like, like I don't know. Tech savvy, I don't know. Like, yes, yes. Yes. You know, it's, it's interesting because I did leave and I, um, teaching and I went and I worked for an ed tech startup. So that means that it was like a startup is really something that's under probably five years old. Right. And then I worked Mm -hmm. there for three years and I did everything from like working with the engineers to set up iPads to professional development. And then I grew into a role where I was meeting more with superintendents that were going to roll out a big program to all the teachers. And my job was to make sure all the pieces were in place, all the school principals were ready, the teachers were trained and ready to go. So it was kind of like, I thought of it like a three ring circus. Um, <laughs> and Which is very similar to the classroom. Yeah, totally. Um, and then, you know, then I wanted to see a really big company. So I worked for Discovery Education and um, did a lot of the same work. But there I was doing a lot more strategic work. Uh, working with really large school districts that, so like rolling out a program to a school district with five schools is way different than, you know, Miami Dade County schools in Florida trying to roll something out to hundreds and hundreds of schools. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. So that was really cool. And what I loved, I'll tell you, Kelly, is I worked in one of the largest urban districts as a teacher in two very different schools. So I had that experience and then I traveled the nation literally coast to coast, meeting with teachers, meeting with school leaders. I learned so much about, you know, what is working well in education, what the struggles are. I got to walk into classrooms and see teachers energized and see teachers exhausted. I mean, I just got to have this, when I look back, I didn't know at the time how valuable that experience was going to be as I started up, you know, and decided to go out on my own. So tell us about going out on your own and how all of that played into you starting your own company. Yeah. Well, um, something very personal for me that I actually haven't shared with my own listeners, Kelly, uh, but I'll share with you now is um, in the last five years, I have um, lost both of my older brothers. So within five years, lost both my older brothers, which losing one sibling, I mean, I'm not that old, (laughs) But losing two is just, you don't go through things like that without, um, it's shifting your life and shifting the way you see the world. And so I was really happy, um, with what I was doing, but I felt this bigger calling to create and build something based on my love for teachers and education and my love for kids and children, Um, I felt this calling. And so I resigned from my position and I, I knew sort of what I was going to do. I knew that I wanted to consult and help education companies relate and talk to teachers, because as you were saying, like a lot of teachers don't even know what ed tech means. Right. So I wanted to kind of help build this bridge and fill this gap and help education companies hire teachers that they need, you know, talent over the summer. So I knew that was going to be part of it. But then I just woke up one day and said, I'm going to do this podcast and I'm going to call it educators to educators. And I, from that, I've built out this, um, community for teachers. And I say educators because I think principals and school leaders are part of that, but you know, I offer these free podcasts. We do online courses, free and paid. Um, and my idea behind that and my goal is to just build a supportive, positive community 
in which teachers can either tap into that back into that joy and, and the reason they became a teacher or push themselves professionally and look outside their classroom walls to find opportunities. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that is great that you've used this tragic, terrible event in your life to launch you into something new and some like to use your passion um, to help other teachers. I, th- I think that's great. How long ago did you start educators? Well, you have explained to us the two different sides of your yeah. company. So they both started last September. So I've really been out on my own. for. Like- You've literally only been doing this for a few more. Like, <laughs> yes. That is so encouraging to me. Oh, thank you. Cause I really I thought you it. like had been a few years at this. Well, thank you. And you know what? Um, <laughs> I was just telling a friend today, this, I have really high expectations for myself. Uh-huh way higher than I have of other people. Like I'm very competitive with myself and, um, you know, I really, through what I've been through, I do really believe in taking risk and putting things out in the universe and, um, living my life with joy and energy. But I have to say, I'm really bad at patting myself on the back. And so I've started this new process. I'm looking at it right now in my office, but when I do things, I make a little cute card and I put it on my wall above my desk. So for instance, one of them says, you launched a website, you launched a podcast, like, because I have to benchmark these mm-hmm. things. Otherwise, you know, I need to celebrate them. Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. You and I sound like we're very, um, very similar. I mean, th- this is literally like, we've been talking for what an hour and a half now with both of our podcasts combined. I mean, this is like the most, like we literally just met each other. Uh, I know it's not funny. Yeah, but I feel like we are very, very similar to each other. I feel like we have a bright future together. I see, I see us collaborating in the future. I feel it in my bones. So Yeah, me too. I'm excited. Okay, so tell us, you are collaborating right now with a couple other girls uh, on your summer reboot course. So explain that to the listeners because I, I talked about it uh, on my last podcast, but I want people to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, what it is, what you're offering, and and how they can go about uh, joining. Okay. So I can only say this because I collaborated with two amazing people. So it's not bragging. (laughs) This course is so, so, so good. I mean, when you build a product like this, that you're putting out into the world, it is a ton of blood, sweat, and tears, right? The whole creative process is a lot of work. And Jill and Heather and I, which, so it's Jill Schaefer from at hello fifth, if you're an Instagram person and Heather Campbell from, um, serious giggles. So we collaborated and we would work on Saturday mornings and we were in the thick of it. And every once in a while, one of us would pop our head up on the Google hangout and say, you guys, this is good. (laughs) This is good, good, good. Um, and so what it is, you're probably wondering is we basically were saying it's so easy as a teacher. You're so exhausted at the end of the year. You just, you, you leave the last day of school, you have all these goals, all these things you want to do and how you want to grow over the summer, but you also want to balance that with like self-care and maybe binging on Netflix. And so the idea was we want to help you hold yourself accountable to growing over the summer when it's not super stressful. Mm-hmm. So like the whole first course is about self-care either during the school year in your classroom or outside of the classroom, we talk about collaboration. I do a module talking about, you know, resetting relationships with parents and administrators and students. Um, so we're really, really proud of the course. Did you know the two girls before y'all started doing this? Absolutely not. So you might start to think that I am like crazy, but I just reach out to people. Um, you're brave. Like honestly, on a side note, if any of my college friends are listening to this right now, like these lifelong friends, um, they are laughing because like I was the person that would go out if we were going out to a restaurant or a bar and I would talk to like every stranger, like uh-huh. people just don't scare me. So they're all giggling right now, but I did not know Heather and Jill. I just reached out to them and I said, I'd like to interview you. I was doing a podcast on Instagram teacher superstars. Mm-hmm. Um, And after I met them, I'm like, oh, I need to collaborate with them. And then once again, it was like I woke up one morning and I was like, teacher summer reboot. How long did y'all work on it? Like how quick was the process to get it out? 
Um, you know, we've probably been working on it a few months. Um, but I think as we build more courses and I build more courses, I'm going to get more efficient at it. But I mean, we literally made really, we scripted it. We brainstormed, we scripted, we looked for resources, and then we make a fun video for every lesson that you're in. Um, so I would say a couple months in the make, I mean, we weren't working out on every day because we're all also working full time. Right. Um, so when can, so is there a cutoff date to join or is it just like going on all summer? Yeah, that's, I get that question a lot. Um, so it's a great question. Thanks for asking it. Uh You can join, like you could join today and then it's self-paced. Okay. So if you wanted to join today and do a module every two weeks, you could do that. Okay. Um, you can start it whenever you want. You can pace it however you want. I would say though, you wouldn't want to start it any later than 30 days before your first day of school. Okay. Um, and so I, I would get started, you know, June and July, and then you have access to it for 365 days. Okay. So it's kind of, cause you know, a lot of courses online that I see are like, you have to join by this day and then it starts. So I wasn't sure, um, if it was like that or if it was a work at your own, work at your own pace kind of thing. Totally a work at your own pace. And can I read you a quote really quick Yeah, from one of our, um, teachers that just started the course? Yeah, let's hear it. She said, the last, the last day of school was Friday. I just packed up my room today. I finally found some time to watch the intro videos from the course. I'm inspired by all the positivity and good energy from just the videos I've seen. I'm hoping to leave here just with more positivity and good energy as the new year approaches. And that just made my heart smile. Is that so encouraging to know that? That's the whole mission of educators to educators is to like infuse that positivity and joy, joy and support one another as we grow. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad that they reached out and, and sent you that. Thank you. All right. So we talked a little bit about education, like ed tech jobs. You also help, like on your website, you have a list of ed tech jobs that are open that people can go and look for and apply for, correct? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So if if you're interested in ed, the ed tech space or just um, learning more about what's going on at educators to educators, um, you can join our mailing list. So I'll send out a newsletter. I have lots of companies that come to me and I know a lot of people in the industry. So they'll say, do you know a super talented middle school science teacher? We need a contract employee to work 20 hours over the next month. Right? So we get a lot of opportunities like that, which I think is perfect for a teacher that maybe is feeling like a little bored Mm -hmm. or burnt out. Um, and needs like a little, extra way to tap into what's going on nationally, Mm -hmm. um, helps build a resume. And then I do get teachers that say, I'm ready for the next push. Like I would like to do what you did. Um, and I don't go out seeking these teachers because I want happy teachers to stay in the classroom, but I do get the occasional, Hey, I want to make this leap. And so then, um, I can introduce them to people or, you know, I'll post various jobs that, that people can apply for. Well, and that was going to be one of my questions because, um, I'm trying to like make sure that I word this appropriately, but you know, I'm six years in and I've already started to feel the burnout and I've, I'm at a school, we've been IR, which is improvement required this past year. So there's been a lot of stress. There's been a lot of negativity at our school. Um, and I just feel that there's like this sense of teachers that are just ready for something new, but also like that guilt of like, Oh, but if I leave the classroom, then I'm not a good teacher. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, have you like, yeah, I even struggle in that, like, okay, I've been teaching, but I also really want to pursue my blog and my website full time. But like just that tension of like, I love teaching, but I need something new. So what do you say to the teacher who's listening? Who's like, you know what? I need a change. I need something new. How would you encourage them? So I say to look inward and first, have you been taking risks in your teaching? Are you doing the same old, same old? Are you taking risks in your teaching? Are you changing up your lesson plans? Are you changing the layout of your room? What are you doing about the things that you can control in teaching to make, to infuse that joy. 
I get a lot of teachers who are like, you know, I want to, you know, move into a career in ed tech. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I worked really hard and exhausted myself in those years in ed tech. Like it, the grass sometimes is greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like sometimes I do, people will buy like a paid coaching package for me, teachers, and I help them think through, is this really the right thing? Or do you need to challenge yourself and change things up? I mean, sometimes I'm like, maybe you need to change grades or maybe it sounds like your school might be a little toxic. Maybe you should apply to teach at a different school. Mm-hmm. That's so uh, true. Cause I think about last year, I was feeling really burnt out and I just did simple things like changing my classroom decor a little bit. And I've been teaching the same grade for four years. So reaching out to other people in the district, seeking advice and help on how to better my plans because I was doing the same, like it just being in the same rut. Yes. And, and I think, you know, um, I definitely, my 10th year, I, I had, um, you know, had lost my, my oldest brother. And I think I was just had a really tough year. Um, but I told the people I trusted in my building about it. Like I just, well, first of all, I wasn't the part, the teacher that would go to the lunchroom and sit and complain about everything. Mm -hmm. Um, that's something I tell new teachers is like, just stay away from that kind of, yes getting sucked into that. Um, and then like I had a few people that I really trusted and I'd be like, you know, I'm really struggling or, you know, I was grieving. Mm -hmm. Um, I had two young kids. And so that I, I started to be able to realize like, Carrie, what can you control? And we'll talk about that, you know, a little bit later, but what could I control? I could find people that I trusted. And I went to those people and said, Hey, I'm having a hard day or I'm struggling. Or can I come eat my lunch with you? Will you help me think through this unit I'm planning? Like I just really went towards positive people that helped me be my best. Yeah. That's what you have to do. And that's, that was my whole purpose of starting this podcast was to be that positive for teachers who may not have it on their campus or may not know people well enough to be able to to, you know, look for support from other people. Yep. Okay. So when we started talking, um, you actually approached me with the topic for us to talk about today, which was relationships in the classroom and and managing those relationships. And we're going to talk about how to manage relationships with students, with parents and administrators, um, which I'm assuming is something that you're really passionate about. So give us a little, like, where did that come from? Well, to be honest, we talk about this in teacher summer reboot. So it's been on my mind a lot. Um, And back to what I was just saying, like, I am a big advocate for people thinking about what they can control. And I think in teaching, everything that is hard about what is going on in our society in America is presented in the classroom. Teachers see all the heartache, all the, you know, homelessness. They see mental illness. They see the ripple effect of divorce or broken families. I mean, teachers see all these things every day in their classroom. Mm -hmm. And no wonder people, teachers are getting burnout, right? But I think if we can think about the things we can control, and infuse our energy into those, that's where I think we get teachers to stay in teaching for 20 to 30, 40 years. Yeah. So how do you encourage a teacher to, let's just start with students, Yeah. build that relationship and sustain that relationship with students? So I think these kids, uh, kids come to school with a lot on their back every morning. Some kids have an amazing life, right? But they could still have a big fight with their brother in the morning, or maybe their mom was upset and yelling at them. And then other kids are coming to school and they haven't eaten in 24 hours or no one's paid attention to them at home. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I think a lot about like, we have to keep reminding ourselves that these little people are coming in with all of these like weights on their shoulder. And 
if we can create a place where they walk through the door and they're able to take some of those, I'm imagining myself taking backpacks off my back full of bricks right now, but like some kids have a lot of bricks, some have lighter bricks, but like if we can help them take that off and like just find little bits of joy and fun and learning throughout the day. So one thing I thought was really important was social emotional learning. Um, and I think children have a really hard time identifying their feelings, especially if they're in a situation where the parenting situation isn't quite intact. Right. Mm -hmm. And so no one's teaching them, Oh, you're, you're feeling frustrated. That feeling is frustration. Um, and so I tried to model that myself. If I was having a bad day or wasn't feeling well, or, you know, guys, I have a headache today. I'm feeling frustrated by this headache. So it's making me a little more irritated. Here are some things you guys could do to help me through the day. So like, I just feel like with students and I'm kind of getting to this point of like that positive relationship is modeling my own vulnerabilities and modeling my own feelings and then actually caring about their feelings too. Um, I think Oprah once said forever ago, she said something like, Kids just want to be seen. They want to be heard. And when we have huge class sizes, it's really easy to close your door at the end of the day of teaching and be like, wait, was Johnny at school today? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So really taking the time to look those kids in the eye and make them feel like you care that they're there. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I try to do the same thing with my kids, telling them how I'm feeling and being honest with them because they need to see that and they need to see how to handle it in a mature and a correct way. Because like you said, there's a, a lot of my kids that at home, they're seeing frustration acted out in hitting and cussing and throwing, you know, all those things. And then yep. we see that in the classroom. In a lot of ways, you may be the only consistent safe thing in their life. Right. Right. For sure. And so I think my advice with the students is try to push that social emotional learning first and then the lessons and the standards will come. They'll follow, but it's easy because we have the pressure of like, I got to get through all these standards. It's easy to forget. Yeah. All right, y'all, I'm popping into the middle of the podcast because I've got a huge favor to ask you. I was hoping that you could go onto iTunes and rate and review the podcast. Now, I'm not doing this because I want like all the positive accolades or I want to fill my bucket, although that'll be nice. But the way that iTunes shows episodes on their feed is by rates and reviews. So, I just went and did it on a couple of my favorite podcasts so that way I could practice and be able to tell you exactly how to do it. It's super easy. So all you have to do is go onto iTunes, search for Simply Teach or whatever podcast. I mean, really do this for any podcast that you listen to. Search for it and then click on the podcast. And then if you scroll down to the bottom, you will see ratings and reviews. And there'll be some stars where you can click how many stars. Please give me five, not one. I don't. If you want to leave one, just don't worry about it. Uh, that's okay. And then there's a place where you can write a review. So if you want to write a review and let us know how, uh, it's going, how you're enjoying it, what you think of it, I would so appreciate that. I'll even be keeping an eye out, uh, for some reviews to read on the podcast. So please go write and review the podcast. It would help me out so much and it would help other teachers to find it. Uh, a few people have been messaging me and telling me that they're finding it and it makes me so excited and they're finding it helpful and useful to them. And I want to be able to do that for more teachers. So please head to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. I would love you forever. Thank you so much. Okay. So what about parents? How are we going to, how do we build relationships with the parents? And more specifically, how do we build relationships with the difficult parents? Oh, good Lord. So I will say when people ask me, like, do you miss teaching? What do you miss about teaching? I will tell you, I don't miss the difficult parents (laughs) and I'm a parent. Mm -hmm. I live my, I leave my kids teachers alone for the most part, but, um, 
So here's the deal. This is what I learned in my 10 years. And I was a good teacher. Like, I think that parents wanted their kids to have me when they were coming up to third, fourth, and fifth grade, right? But like, you're never going to have 60 parents that are absolutely in love with you and adore you. It's just never going to happen. No matter how great of a teacher you are, there are going to be parents that are going to ride your backside all year long. Yeah. And I think for me, I go, I would go back to this place of what can I control? So I, I realized that in now being a parent myself, like some parents really parenting is a hard job first of all. And, you know, you question yourself, am I doing the right thing? But some parents cannot see outside of their own children. And if you don't believe me, you should go watch a 10 year old soccer game some weekend and watch the parents on the sideline. Yeah. I'm, I'm always amazed at parents and the things that they say or do. And I'm just, I'm not going to say it because I'm going to get on my soapbox (laughs) and this isn't the time or place. (laughs) But I mean, if you think about it, parents are also struggling with social, emotional problems, Mm -hmm. mental illness, divorce. I mean, and when I look back at some of the parents that were like, probably hated my guts and just talked behind my back or whatever, they like, I later found out they were going through a horrible divorce or, you know, plethora of things. Right. Well, and I think that's important what you said about, um, not everybody's going to like you. Cause I know I went in, like, I was thinking about this the other day. They trusted me with a class full of kids at 22 years old. That's how old I was when I stepped into my very first classroom. And I don't know how that's just crazy to me. Cause I feel like that is so young, but I walked into my classroom thinking that all my parents were going to love me and support me. And I took it so personally when I didn't like there was this one parent I can think of specifically that that didn't like me even said, should I move my son out of your class since you're a first year teacher and you don't really know what you're doing? And I mean, to this day, I still take parent emails or parent communication somewhat personally, but I've learned to like grow a thicker skin. But I'm glad that you said that because if a new teacher is listening and is either getting ready to go into a year and, you know, just to have that frame of mind or is struggling with a parent uh, and feeling really defeated. Just that reminder that not everybody's going to love you and that's okay. If everybody did, you would be doing something wrong. (laughs) And, and we, not to keep going back to teacher summer reboot, but there's one lesson that I talk about specifically parent emails. Oh, this is good. Yes. Yes. I have some strong, I mean, I could go on forever, but I have some really strong feelings about um, parent emailing and how I put it on the teachers who are causing themselves more work and stress through email. Um, And I talk about like, you've got to put up boundaries. Um, But I think that, you know, my, out of all of that, you know, from the, that, that lesson, the one thing I'll say is, And just be careful with your emailing. And if you feel any emotion when you're writing a response to an email, it should be a conversation. Yes. Because it's easy to write a quick email that comes off the wrong way or is taken the wrong way or is forwarded to the grandma, the superintendent, everyone's Mm -hmm. Facebook friends. Like, just watch your own emotions when you're using email. I think email should be more of a like black and white. Hey, can you tell Johnny his grandma's picking him up after school? Thank you. You know what I mean? Like it should be all the black and white stuff and it shouldn't be about behavior and it shouldn't be about that stuff because it's just, there's just too many opportunities for it to go the wrong way. Yeah. I think the best thing I ever did when you talked about boundaries was I took my email off my phone because I had my school email on there for the longest time and I'd be sitting at home enjoying my time and I get an email and I check and it's a parent complaining about something and it just totally ruined my evening. Oh yeah. And like, I had little kids that were like, I was doing the same thing. I was checking at home and there would be something that would make me mad. Um, and, and I had my two little toddler and baby like crawling all over me and trying to get my attention. And I'm fuming about an email. And I was like, that is it. That was, um, probably like my seventh year of teaching. And then after that, I was like, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. And I made some big changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what about with admin? Yeah. So, I will tell you, working with so many administrators now, 
through the ed tech space. Okay, I'm going to say something that can make teachers kind of mad here, but <laughs> I feel say like it. teachers like to like throw the darts at administrators mm-hmm. and be like mad at their principal, mad at their superintendent, whatever. And like, I now know how hard their jobs are. And they have so many mandates and things that are pushed down on them. And, you know, think about you're dealing with one parent in one classroom, maybe that's upset. Well, they might have 20 parents a day that they're hearing about, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I, my advice to you with, and some administrators, like there are principals out there that are just awful. I get that. But my kind of advice around building those positive relationships is go into your administrator and, and say, you know what, like, how can I help you out? Like maybe you're rolling out a new initiative or something at your school. How can I help out? How can I chip in? Or tell them, you know what? I really like this reading program we chose. Like, thanks for putting in all the work. Um, That compliments and those feedback, uh, that goes two ways. And if you have that kind of, um, if you're projecting that type of positivity to your administrative team, when you do feel strongly about something that you disagree about, you're going to be listened to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think it's really easy as a teacher to fall into this pit where you just want to complain about everything. I can think of one teacher I worked with. It was like, I ran the other direction when I saw her in the hall because she always had something to complain about. Yeah. Well, that's been the story at our school this year. Um, we, I've been at my school for six years and this is my fourth principal and she's really come in and like shook things up and set some hard boundaries and I liked her from the beginning. So I haven't really had an issue with her, but other teachers on our campus having somebody new come in and like, you know, lay the law down is hard for them. And so I had to like play this positive, like, the same thing, like remind teachers of what you're seeing is not the only thing that they're dealing with. They've got so much other stuff. And yeah, this sucks that they're making us do this, but it's probably because somebody's making them do that yeah. and holding them to it, you know? And I found that being that positive cheerleader um, allowed me to be able to go in and talk to her. I mean, I, I was on a pretty frequent basis in her office saying, Hey, here's, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm hearing. Here's a plan of how we can help, you know, like going in teachers just want to complain, but they don't ever want to have solutions. And I think good administration should be willing to listen to what it is you have to say, but you have to go in with an attitude of how are we going to help? How are we going to grow? And be careful who you associate yourself with too. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're down in the lunchroom complaining all the time, um, you know, talking bad about kids or talking bad about, I mean, people see that and they know and they talk. Yeah. All right. So Carrie, I like to wrap up the podcast with asking these same three questions. So what is your biggest pet peeve in teaching right now? Oh man. (laughs) So one year at the end of the year, I had this t-shirt made that said, I'm not your waitress on the front of it because I could not stand when kids would like go, I would be across the room and they'd be like, Mrs. Conover, Mrs. Conover. They would like beckon me across the room. And I'd be like, I'm not your waitress. I was kind of a smart aleck with my kids Uh and they loved it. Um, and so I'd be like, I'm not your waitress. Like, are you beckoning me to get you ketchup or something? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I love that. Yeah. So they thought when I came in with that t-shirt on, they were like rolling. They loved it. That's funny. I, so my maiden name is Buckteen and it's hard to pronounce, but my kids never had a problem saying it. They all, they always called me Miss Buckteen, but I got married uh, last August and my last name is Jackson now. And I don't know if it's because it's like a coach's name or like a guy name. All of my kids call me, they'll be like, Hey, Jackson, Jackson. (laughs) And I'm like, I, it happens so frequently now that I'm like, I don't even address it, but it cracks me up. You telling the waitress story makes me think about that. Like, I have this little boy. He'll be like, Hey Jackson, can I do this? I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> so what's keeping you sane right now? Oh my gosh. I've been so busy. Um, I will say building out, doing a lot of really cool work with some schools and building out teacher summer reboot. So, um, for Mother's Day, my husband gave me a membership to Orange Theory, which is like a fitness place, if you don't know what that is. And it is like the most insane workout. 
Um, but it's keeping me sane. I mean, I come home exhausted, but mentally just in a really good place. I need to find something because I haven't been working out and I need to. I've got to get back in that habit because I know how good it is. I mean, I just turned 40. And so I'm like, all right, Carrie, I want to live to like 120. So I better start working out. I got lots to do in this lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And then I want you to tell us your favorite kid moment or story. Okay. So I have to say, like, I just want a disclaimer here. I'm actually a really fun person that likes to tell funny stories. I feel like we've talked a lot about a lot of serious stuff on this podcast, Kelly. So I'm sorry. Don't apologize. Um, so I want to tell you this story and it goes back to just having that mindset as a teacher and keeping positive. So I had just changed schools and I was in a new school and I I think I was teaching fourth grade. Yep. Fourth grade. And it was the first week of school. And I came home on Friday and I looked at my husband and I said, I have the perfect class. (laughs) Like it was if you could handpick children, it was like the perfect class. They got all the routines. They were working hard. They got my jokes. Like, I mean, it was a dream. And what grade were you teaching? Fourth. Okay. Which can be tough. Mm-hmm. So, and it wasn't that, it was like, it was a diverse class and it, diverse like learning class. Like they, it was all different levels. It wasn't that. It was just like the right personalities. Right. So I come to school the following Monday and it's like halfway through the day and I get this knock at the door. And so I walk over and answer it and it's the principal standing there with a mom and a young boy. I'm going to call this boy JJ. I'm not going to use his real name. Okay. And like, it's like I opened the door and there was a big black cloud looming at my door. This kid was giving me the dirtiest look, like lasers out of the eyes and my principal was like, Carrie, you have a new student, which as a teacher, you know, the first week of school, you're teaching like all the routines and then you get a new student and it like, you have to redo it all. Yes. Um, so I'm like, oh, hi, JJ. Like, welcome to Nettlehorst. And then I said, JJ, why don't you go in and unpack your bags? And then his mom's standing there and she says to me, I'm moving him to this school because he's getting into a lot of trouble in his last school. And I feel like you guys can kind of straighten him out. Okay, so the days go on, and that perfect class, like, blew up. This kid was, like, a disruptor. He And so I get his file. I'm reading through his file, and it's like, this kid told his last teacher to blank, blank, like, cussing at her. Mm-hmm. And so at first, I was just, like, kind of mourning that perfect class. And then I remembered, like, this is why I'm teaching in the first place for kids like J.J., I am going to break down every single one of that kid's walls and I'm going to get him up to grade level. And I worked so hard on this kid and he gave me such a hard time, but I finally started to get through. And you know what happened? One day I called him up to my table and he was looking at like my desk and he looks straight at me and he goes, is your name Carrie? He must have seen like a piece of mail or something that would mm-hmm. see my first name. He goes, is your name Carrie? And I said, yes, but you can't call me that. And he looks at me and he goes, that was my grandma's name. She just died. And she was mm-hmm. one of my best friends. Oh. And. Did that just break your heart? Uh, It did, but it was like my brain just like, I was like, oh my God, this is my way in for this kid. And I'm telling you, once he realized my name, he just started like opening up more and more. Um, And like, we just had this incredible bond and he ended up being, I ended up having him for two years because I looped with that class and like he would have moments, but we just worked on the social emotional and I feel like I got through. And I, I just tell that story because, you know, just when we think things are the way they're supposed to be, they're not going to be like, we're never going to have the perfect classroom. We're never going to have the perfect, you know, parent group. None of that is going to be perfect. So just keep tapping into like the reason you became a teacher in the first place and keep pushing yourself so that you can be there for the, you know, JJ's of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you never know when that kid's going to walk into your room. And I think that's great. Do you still have a relationship with him at all? Have you kept you know, up with him? 
that class is graduating high school this year. <laughs> um, and I, I keep up with some of the parents like on Facebook. Um, uh-huh. but I think he went off to, um, a different high school to play basketball. And so a lot of people fell out of touch with him. Um, I did call his mom probably two years ago to check on him and he was doing well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I hope he's going to college. That would be amazing. Yeah. I hope he, I hope he reaches out to you at some point. Cause I think that's what like, especially teaching elementary, I think I, you work so hard on these kids, but they have so many other teachers left to come that by the time they get older, some of the elementary teachers are kind of forgotten. Yeah. Um, so I hope that he reaches out to you. Cause I mean, I think that's great that you were able to make that connection with him. Yeah, I, I do. Too. Maybe, maybe this will motivate me to reach out to him to see how good old JJ is doing. Yeah, I've got a little boy I'm going to try and go visit tomorrow. He was kind of like that in my third grade classroom. And I've tried to go visit him the last couple of years now that he's in middle school. He, j- he was one of the toughest kids, but, he, you know, they've got that soft spot in your heart forever. The, the funny thing is the toughest kids, the kids oh. that, like, drain you every day. Mm-hmm. Like, those are the ones you remember and, like, chuckle about and yeah. love later so be encouraged that teachers struggling right now um that kid that you can't stand <laughs> yes will one day find a fondness for them <laughs> so so true okay so i want you to tell us where all we can find you so if you want to stay connected to what's going on at educators to educators you can find me on instagram that's where i'm mostly active on social media so just find educators the number two educators all one word you can also go to educators to educators.com and learn more about all the things we talked about today. And finally, if you want to sign up for a teacher summer reboot or a course, uh, Kelly's going to link that information in the podcast notes for me. Yay. Thank you. Yes. I will link it all and links to, you know, anything we talked about, definitely the summer reboot. Cause I want teachers to go sign up for it, but thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I know you, you kept saying, Oh, it's so serious, but you know, I think that things happen for a reason and there's probably somebody listening to this right now who's going, who maybe has lost somebody or is going through a hard time and the stress of teaching plus just the hardness of life. I I really think that it'll encourage someone. So thank you for being open and for sharing and being vulnerable and sharing those things with us. Yeah. I have to say one more thing, Kelly, before I go, someone said to me after I lost my brothers, they said, Kids push you into tomorrow. And I think that's true. So if you are a teacher right now that's going through something hard, let those kids and all their energy help push you into tomorrow. That's good. We're going to we're going to leave it on that. I love it. Thank you so much, <laughs> Kelly. Yes, thank you. Carrie is right. We did talk about some deep stuff in this episode. But as I told her, I truly believe that our conversation was meant to be heard by someone who needs to hear what she shared. And if that someone is you, please know that you are not alone in struggling through the difficultness of teaching on top of personal hardness that you might be experiencing. As Carrie said, let your kiddos push you into tomorrow. So after Carrie and I recorded, I remembered her telling me about how each time she completes something, she writes it on a card and then posts it above her desk. I decided to make my own spin on that, and I started making to-done lists. I'm a perfectionist, overachiever, go-getter, and have a feeling that you might be too, which basically also means that I'm extremely critical of myself, and I know some of you are nodding your head in agreement right now. I could have gotten 15 things done that day, but instead I chose to focus on the three or four things that I didn't get to. You know what I'm talking about? So this summer, I started making a to-done list at the end of the day. And y'all, it has been so good for me. I even started listing things I did during the day that brought me joy. Like I read for 20 minutes or I drank coffee out of my new mug. Because for someone like me, I need to be reminded of the things that bring me joy throughout the day. So thank you, Carrie, for that idea. It's a great practice, and I would encourage any of you to start right now during the summer when you have time for it because I think it's something that could be so good for us as teachers during the school year. Also, when Carrie talked about our country's problems being represented in our classroom, when she said that, I was like, whoa, that's so true because I really had never thought about it like that. But it is so true, and it gives me the empowerment to fight for my kids even harder. So I'm going to do a little plug here, so please forgive me. 
I just finished this book called No One Ever Asked. It's a fiction book based loosely on some true events. So I'll just read the Amazon info about it instead of trying to write or tell my own review because I'll just ramble. So here it goes. When an impoverished school district loses its accreditation and the affluent community of Crystal Ridge has no choice but to open their school doors, the lives of three very different women converge. Camille Gray, the wife of an executive, mother of three, long-standing PTA chairwoman, and champion fundraiser, faced with the shocking discovery that threatens to tear her picture-perfect world apart at the seams. Jen Covington, the career nurse whose long and painful journey to motherhood finally resulted in adoption, but she is struggling with the happily ever after so much harder than she anticipated. 22-year-old Anaya Jones, the first woman in her family to graduate college and a brand new teacher at Crystal Ridge's top elementary school, unprepared for the powder keg that's weird. I'm literally reading this right now. The powder keg situation she stepped into. Tensions rise within and without, culminating in an unforeseen event that impacts them all. This story explores the implicit biases impacting American society and asks the ultimate question, what does it mean to be human? Why are we so quick to put labels on each other and categorize people as this or that when such complexity exists in each person? Okay, so why did I go into all that? Because this book talks about so many issues that we're seeing in our classrooms right now, just like Carrie mentioned. I just finished the book and I was so encouraged by it, but also I was challenged to think differently about the kids in my classroom. So if you need a summer read, head over to the show notes and I'll link to it. Order your copy and enjoy. All right, y'all, that's it for this week's episode. Please, if you're enjoying the show, head over to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. I would so, so, so appreciate it. I'll be back next week with a mini-sode on classroom management plans. Talk to you all soon. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. Don't forget to head over to the simplyorganizedteacher.com for all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and you can sign up for my email list there. Also, be sure to find the Facebook group because I want to be your social media friend. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com. 